I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. With phase 1B of vaccine distribution now underway, lots of us are asking, when's it my turn to get vaccinated? The good news is that more and more people are getting their shots. The bad news is we're all hearing stories of people cutting in line, which leads to the question, is the system fair? One Reset listener shared her concerns. Hi, this is Rachel from Rogers Park. I am an essential worker and so is my partner and some of our friends. They're both working from home and someone that they know sent them like an invite code to log on to the Government of Health website. And this invite code actually worked and allowed them to make an appointment to get vaccinated, which it seems silly if that's how we're doing it via invite codes that people can just share. Dr. William Parker is an assistant professor of medicine and faculty physician at UChicago Medicine. He's also a medical ethicist. Dr. Parker, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. And Arthur Kaplan, head of the Division of Medical Ethics at NYU's mm-hmm. School of Medicine and editor of the book Vaccination Ethics and Policy. Hi, Arthur. Hey, thanks for having me. So I want to first talk about one issue that we've seen in the city of Chicago's distribution system. That's vulnerabilities around these special codes for healthcare workers that are being shared more broadly to people. So, Dr. Parker, had you heard about this issue around registration and codes? Yeah, indirectly. I hadn't heard about the the story that came out this morning. But unfortunately, when you have a first come, first serve speed of click, kind of vaccine distribution system that relies on access codes like this, this sort of thing is going to happen. It's going to break down. Well, uh, the city identified that digital codes they sent out specifically for healthcare workers were being used by other people. They realized this because they got in thousands of more requests through those links than they anticipated. Uh, Now, last Tuesday, Dr. Allison Arwoody, head of the Chicago Department of Public Health, talked about the issue in her regular Facebook Live. Uh, Here's a bit from that. I'm really glad people are wanting to get vaccinated. And I'm really glad people are being honest uh, when they are filling out that form. You know, if they got a code, there was some code sharing and being honest and saying, you know, I'm not one of these healthcare workers. When we have eight and 9,000 appointments that do need to go to, you know, these higher risk groups, uh, we did have to send out some sort of cancellation notices to people. Sticking with you here, Dr. Parker, obviously the city is still working out the kinks in their process. But what is a system that is more fair or equitable? First of all, I would say um, a, a kind of a rigid adherence to a single line, like all the 1A needs to go, then the 1B, uh, doesn't really make sense. I mean, if somebody showed up and is in 1B uh, eligible, they should get the vaccine. That's kind of an inefficiency that's not justified by the ethics. And really? The, that's, this... It sounds like totally against what I would have thought would be the, the, the way to go. Well, you know, I think they're named 1A, 1B, and 1C for a reason, right? All these groups are very important to be vaccinated. And we should be thinking about prioritization of as where we should focus our energy in vaccinating the groups rather than being really strict gatekeeping uh, rules. You know, one of um, one strategy was is a so-called place-based strategy of vaccination where you just send mobile teams and vans to an area you know has been especially hard hit that has lots of vulnerable people in it and you sort of vaccinate everyone in sight and you don't necessarily screen people really rigidly according to whatever phase that uh, things are uh, going in currently. Arthur, let's bring you into the conversation. You've been quoted saying that there will absolutely be a black market. Can you explain that more for us? 
Sure. I predicted that months ago, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing people with money bribe their way into vaccination by saying, I'll make a donation, or you know that I'm a previous donor. There are people in Los Angeles, Florida, Nevada, who've used connections and bragged about it. There's an online video of a uh, aerobics uh, instructor getting herself vaccinated by calling herself an educator, which I'm not sure would fly in most states, but maybe where she lives. So we've seen people travel. We've seen people offer financial compensation. Um, those are already black markets. They're already out there. They were predictable because if you have scarcity and a shortage of what's seen as a life-saving resource, then unless you put penalties in and sort of do careful monitoring of who's getting vaccinated, you're, you're going to get them. So what are some of the other ways that people can try and get early access? We argue about prioritization and what the rules are, and I, I'm kind of in agreement. The big issue is logistics. Where are the vaccines? How are they being distributed? If you use, for example, an online system and you tell people, who are elderly, you're first, go online if you're over 75 and use the internet, some of them are not going to be able to do that. They just don't know how. Maybe they don't have the internet if they're poor. Maybe they don't have someone to help them. So using the web and the internet, it may not seem that way, but it actually favors the well-to-do and the upper crust who know how to use the internet and can stick it out. Similarly, you may say, well, we want to help high-exposure minorities who have jobs that put them in harm's way, and uh, we're going to help them by opening up some mass vaccination sites. But if they can't get there, if it takes them all day, so to speak, to show up at a stadium or a civic center, have to take off work to do it and so on, no good. They're not going to get vaccinated at the same rates. You've got to bring the vaccines to where they live or work. Otherwise, you're going to see skews in distribution. So I guess what I'm saying is logistics matters as much as coming up with rules for a priority. Yeah, and older folks are spending hours online trying to figure out this, right. this process, and we're getting lots of calls and voicemails from them as well. That that digital divide is very, very significant here. Dr. Parker, I said earlier, welcome back, because we started this conversation with you last week during our series, Closing the Gap, where we dug into disparities in vaccine access and distribution in our region, and we just had to bring you back to, to go deeper on this topic. Does that ring true to you, what Arthur just said, that a black market is inevitable here? Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you have a first come, first serve speed of click system, right? You know, if you have, if you're creating a line or a queue, virtual or physical, rich and well connected people are going to find a way to cut the line. Or if it's a physical line, actually have people wait in physical line for them, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, those, those things happen naturally. So one way to mitigate that is to auto-enroll people, pre-register people, and then run a lottery and say, you know, you're going to win the lottery when you win it. And you have to wait until your your raffle ticket gets pulled out of the hat. And, you know, that doesn't totally protect against outright fraud by the rich and well-connected, but it makes it a little bit more equitable and more transparent. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we did at University of Chicago to allocate to our patients um, who met phase 1b criteria we started with the vulnerable zip codes on the south side we had the patient list of everybody who had been in contact with our health system in any way even just a trip through the er so we try to get as many you know names and uh, that we could and we ran a random lottery uh, starting with people who live in the south side and that's how we started and we just called people 
so they got both an electronic notification through the health record and a phone call to show up and that and there was a pretty good response to that mm. we still have work to do to especially reach out to people in the underserved hesitant areas of the city or i mean underserved is a better term than hesitant we don't know they're hesitant yet because we haven't given them a chance to get vaccinated but um it was a good start i want to be extra clear on this segment when we say black market here we're talking about illegal traffic or trade in an officially controlled or scarce commodity Dr. Parker, what might be the consequences then of of what's happening for the larger pandemic response? Like if the prioritized individuals are not actually prioritized. If if we're getting to the point where people who are supposed to be phase two, you know, general healthy adults who aren't frontline essential workers, who don't have a personal high medical risk if they acquire COVID, are jumping the line. That's very problematic. You know, I've definitely not heard of anybody actually buying a vaccine in a formal black market. I've seen more and heard more about things Dr. Kaplan was um, discussing where people are using their influence to kind of cut to the front of the line. But the form would be very problematic. Arthur, do you have specific examples about people gaming the system in phase 1B? Oh, yeah. There are definitely people who have upgraded their Uh, health status to qualify, getting a doctor to do it for them because they have perhaps sometimes concierge practices where they've been promised special access, more access. They're just unscrupulous docs who'll do it and uh, will upgrade again your health status. So it's not a massive fraud problem, but it's out there. And when you hear about it and when we talk about it, what it does is it angers people so that they don't want to support the rules we've got. They think people are cheating. It doesn't take a lot of cheating to undermine trust. If you don't have trust, it's tough to enforce priority rules. Dr. Parker, prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, you focused on the ethics around organ transplants, another scarce resource. What did you learn from working on that issue? Well, a lot. I, I actually kind of got uh, my foot in the door by studying manipulation of the waitlist priority in heart transplantation, which is very common. It's it's actually an area where a patient's priority on the waitlist is determined by the treatment they're receiving. So there's this big incentive to treat patients with the most intense treatment possible. And that does happen in a widespread fashion. The reason I bring that up is that it's only natural for people who want this access to this vaccine and they meet the eligibility criteria to use the means and resources at their disposal to get to the front of the line. That's, you know, you you shouldn't begrudge people who do that, Mm -hmm. right? Um, We want people to get vaccinated and and people who are trying to get vaccinated should be celebrated. That's why I think a lottery system and using pre-registration, using existing lists of patients when possible, if not letting it making really easy for people to sign up and then running a rolling lottery would diffuse and dissolve a lot of the problems we're running into here. Arthur, you've also specialized in the ethics around organ transplant. Anything to be learned from that you want to add to this conversation? Yeah. You know, we have a system, and I helped design it. I'm that ancient uh, for distributing organs. As uh, Dr. Parker said, many problems come up with it. It has been criticized pretty loudly by me, even as someone who helped create it. But on the whole, it's supported by patients, by people in need, and the transplant docs, because they do believe it's fair. And so what we have to ensure is not just that we have rules or categories and a system, maybe a lottery within the categories that I can support that, Mm -hmm. but also it's got to be fair. People have to believe they have 
a chance and they're not discriminated against because they're poor or minority or can't use the Internet, whatever the factors might be. Fairness is crucial, and the way to ensure fairness is to make sure that we set up a system that everybody can access, that we will punish and condemn those who cheat or get to the head of the line. We make it clear it's unacceptable, and there's a penalty to it. Should lawmakers and health administrators, should they be making prevention a priority in this next phase, like a dedicated tracking system for where doses are going, that sort of thing? I hate to be cynical, but it would be nice to know how much we've got in the way of vaccines. <laughs> in the, the first administration place, yeah. didn't yeah. leave us with any accurate numbers. We don't even know what the supply is in warehouses. Uh, hopefully, once we understand what the newly approved vaccines that are coming Johnson & Johnson, Novavax, some others, what they can do in way of supply, we'll be able to set up a much better system because we're going to have a lot more vaccines. So as much as it's irritating and angers people to think that the current system isn't fair, I think we're going to be able to work our way out of this down the line in maybe three, four, five months by having a lot more vaccine. And then people may say, well, which one is given to me? Can I choose it? And I'm going to simply say, take the one that's offered. They're all pretty darn good. Yeah. Dr. Parker, your thoughts? Yeah, I I just was thinking again about organ transplantation and the differences between that and vaccines. You know, in kidney transplantation, it's first come, first serve, but the clock starts when you go on dialysis. That was a very important equity change made by the organ transplant community several years ago. And so that that's fair, right? You know, you once you start having dialysis, uh, go on dialysis, that's that's when you start that, you know, marks your place in the line. But for the vaccine, everybody in phase 1B needs the vaccine now has equal need, right? We've decided they all have priority. So the only, you know, fair way to go about assigning the vaccine within 1B is a, is a lottery. So um, that's just, you know, one last plug for yeah, the lottery, lottery system. <laughs> the lottery system. I've said it 10 times, but, you know, I think so many of the technical problems too are being exacerbated by having to mark, you know, this speed of click first come first serve system. You know, it depends when you actually click on the link on the website to where to mark your place in line. If that's not a concern, then some of the technical issues will dissolve as well. Well, aside from a lottery system, Arthur, how do you think bigger academic medical institutions could handle this better? Be clear about the definition of who's a healthcare worker. Don't uh, let it get uh, corroded around the edges to start to include people who really are working at home, doing telemedicine, psychiatric work. They don't need to be vaccinated. What tends to happen at the academic centers is they get the message, vaccinate the healthcare workforce, and they just extend the definition out broadly. And I also think as Dr. Parker has been suggesting, it's better to be clear if you're going to use the internet what the other options are for being able to use the phone or find other paths to register for vaccination. Even putting uh, vaccines out where people can drive there but can't walk there or can't take a public transportation there, it's going to skew what happens. So we need to distribute vaccination sites in a way that really ensures equity. Dr. Parker, last words, any other concerns or considerations that are top of mind for you right now on this issue? Just I want to echo what Dr. Kaplan finished with there is that, you know, we need to distribute vaccine to the places that are suffering the most from this from this pandemic. And that's pretty easy. We have good data. We know it even at the zip code level here in Chicago, the neighborhoods that were hardest hit 
and have the most deaths, that's where we should put the distribution sites and that's where we should distribute proportionally more vaccine. I think that's the last thing I'd want to stress, right? You need to send pour most of your water where the fire is burning, not in the, pla not in the places where there's no fire. That I think hopefully will be the mentality that most state governments start taking and directing vaccine proportionally more to places where the pandemic is raging. That's Dr. William Parker, assistant professor of medicine and faculty physician at UChicago Medicine, and Arthur Kaplan, head of the Division of Medical Ethics at NYU's School of Medicine. Thanks to you both. Thank you. And that's today's Reset. For the latest and most accurate information around the COVID-19 pandemic, tune to WBEZ at 91.5 FM or go to WBEZ.org. And make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. We're covering COVID and the vaccination rollout from a variety of angles. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening, and we'll meet again tomorrow. Tomorrow.